Good morning, everyone. As you know, as many of you know anyway, we're in the middle of a 21-day no-complaining program. We're using uh, the Complaint Free World book and material of Will Bowens. And, uh, and so maybe I should just check in with y'all. How, how's it going? Is, uh, for those of you who have the wristbands and are participating, has it been a struggle this week? Has it been fairly good? How are we doing? So I see some friends. Helen, you look, you're smirking. What's up with that? <laughs> you're doing great. Okay, that it isn't smirk. It's satisfaction. All right. Well, I have to admit, I, I had a little problem yesterday. I'd racked up about four days. And well, you know, let's not look back. Let's look forward. What I do know is that this program will change the entire world by reducing and eliminating a lot of the complaining going on. And we're going to talk about that uh, later on today. But where I want to start is where we left off last week. You know, last week we talked about what do we do instead of complaining, right? There's all this energy, if you will, around kind of wanting things to be a little bit different. And rather than just complaining about them, what should we do? And last week we talked about the serenity prayer. We said that it was the lovely invitation to either do something about it, not just complain about it, but either to do something about it or just to accept things as they are. And of course the wisdom to know the difference. So I want to ask you though, how often do we still think we're going to make a change when really acceptance is the order of the day? And in particular, I would like us to take a look at our interactions with other people. Because I think very often we ask, invite, whatever you want to say, someone else to behave differently and we phrase it as a complaint. Let, let, me, let me give you some examples, right? If, if any of you have teenagers in the house, isn't it kind of like, a, wow, I noticed that your room is still dirty. Sounds like an observation, but it's not. That's a complaint, right? I thought we had an agreement that once a week you would clean your room. Complaint number two. What happens when we don't make agreements around here, right? It, it, it's like complaint after complaint after complaint for the motivation of, of, of maybe cleaning a room. You know, but it doesn't end with teenagers, right? Don't we do that with the, the people that we love and, and our spouses and the people that we live with too? Whether it's talking about the bank accounts and, you know, I was listening to someone kind of, are you ever in the position of not really eavesdropping but just kind of hearing what's going on with other people? So I was listening to one the other day and it went something like this. I noticed that there were charges on the Visa card again. <laughs> right? <laughs> kind of sounds like an observation, but oh no, right? Meaning that there shouldn't have been, right? We do this all the time. And I think the idea is, of course, that our complaining will do something. That that, that will be the change, right? Back to the serenity prayer. We're going to change the things that we can and we're going to accept the rest. So I think that the idea is that that complaining or that, that sort of motivation will actually get things done. Does it? This is my question. Can we change other people? I don't know how to say it more, more boldly or straightforward than that. I don't think we can. 
I do not think, especially around our core motivations, our core values, I do not think that we have the power to change other people. Now, they may wish to change. There may be pieces of all of us that, uh, I mean, there are pieces in me that I'm, I'm working on changing, hence the bra- which, which arms the bracelet on now, right? <laughs> there are things I want to change in me, but it isn't through an outside force or agency that I'm going to change. So right off, I think we need to own up to the fact that we are not going to change someone else's values. And in particular, the people that are closest to us, how well does that work? It's almost even harder for the people that really matter to you. And you know why? I'm going to go out on a limb here because I think maybe I've discovered or, or am elucidating anyway a new spiritual principle I think that the people closest to us believe that we're close to them because we like them the way they are. And so when I'm in a position of saying, Sharon, there are all these things, or let me complain that to you for a little bit, there are all these things I want different in you, why wouldn't you just stand right up to me and say, no, I'm the way I am, my values are good. I thought we hung together because you like me the way I am. Do you see? That's why people that are closest to us are so resistant to change. Why should they? We love them. We have chosen them to be in our inner circle, to be our friends, to, to, to be our partners in life, to, to be the people that we can count on because we're counting on them as them. And I would also throw out, what would it be like if the shoe were on the other foot, too, right? It's like, oh, it'd be nice if so-and-so changed, or if so-and-so had different habits, or if so-and-so had different values that, uh, that I shared. But how does that feel when you sense that from someone else? It doesn't feel good. It's suddenly like, well, I thought you liked me just because of who I was. Yeah, you know, maybe I I do have some behaviors that are a little awkward, but, you know, it's like, yikes, I'm not going to change. Just because it's your preference. Did you notice how I snuck that in? <laughs> so let me tell you a story, and it's sort of embarrassing, and I'm looking in the back row, because sometimes my, my, uh, uh, my partner Daniel sneaks in to hear my sermons in the back row, and I do want to see if he's here today, because I think he'll get a good laugh from this. But I remember when we're, we've been together five years now, and when we were, when we were first dating, I thought, you know, uh, I've gone into relationships really fast before, and I'm not going to do that this time. I'm really going to make sure that the person I think I want to spend the rest of my life with is that person, right? And so it took two years before we moved in together and some soul searching because I had been in his apartment before. <laughs> And I'd been in his mother's apartment before. (laughs) And we had some different core values. (laughs) And what I know about core values is you take them or you leave them. And one of Daniel's core values was to be able to see all of his stuff at one time. (laughs) Now... Now, did you notice how I phrased that? If I had said that he was messy, right? The bracelet thing. Because that is a judgment value. 
people have the right to be able to see all of their stuff at one time. (laughs) Sharon's just about to have a cow here. (laughs) When we sign up to be with someone, we're signing up to be with someone. When we're inviting someone into friendship, into a lover relationship, into, uh, into just our families, whether they be a, a, a kind of family of birth or an extended family, we're inviting them in and bringing all of them in with us. And if we care about them, if we like them, if they're indeed to be our best friends, then we bring it all in. And their tastes may be different than us. Their need for space and surfaces may be, may, may be different than someone else, and that is okay. So after a couple years of dating, I said to myself, yes, we can do this, because what I know is that my needs for having surfaces to be cleared off and space in my environment, I can take care of. I can take care of. And so there was no blaming. There was no saying, you should be this way or you should be that way. There, there was no, no uh, you know, we, we both have to dig in and clean this place because when I say that, I'm saying that my values are the values you should have to have. I'm saying that what is important to me has to be important to you or we're no good together. And if that's the case, then we shouldn't be moving in. So I want to speak some clarity here around this language of complaint because I believe that many of us think that through our complaining we will get other people to change. And if not in their, their, their core values, I think with it we believe we're going to change their, their behaviors. And I have a story to go with that, of course. So a customer was bothering a waiter in the restaurant. First, he asked that the air conditioning be turned up because he was too hot. Then he asked it be to, to be turned down because he was too cold. And so on and so forth for like the entire period of time he was in the restaurant. Surprisingly, the waiter was very patient. He walked back and forth behind the counter and into the kitchen to make the adjustments. The situation was actually so noticeable that other customers were, not, were paying attention. One of them asked the waiter why he was being so accommodating. Oh, I don't really mind, said the waiter with a smile. I like to let our customers know we care. Besides, he said, we don't have an air conditioning system. (laughs) This is what happens when we ask people to comply with our complaints. They really go nowhere. When we ask someone to complain, or when we complain to someone in order to get their behaviors to change, we are actually reinforcing the idea that they should be exactly the way they are. Let me read from this book. He has an interesting take on this idea of complaining to people and the results of it that I think is fascinating. He says, we all want attention, and we will get it however we can. And if the attention is critical, if the attention is through complaining, the person will adjust down to meet the expectations of the critic. I'm going to say that one again. This is, this is not homespun logic here. I, I think we've got a spiritual principle at work, in fact. He says, we all want attention and we will get it however we can. If the attention is critical, the person will adjust down to meet the expectations 
of the critic. Boy, does that explain some of my adventures in childcare. When, when I am criticizing, what I'm saying is, I expect you to misbehave. I expect you to not be tidy. I expect you to be bad at finances. When I complain, I'm giving you that attention, and we all want attention, and because I'm doing it around this piece of negativity, I'm in essence saying, you are this thing. I'm affirming that. You're no good at finances, or you're no good at keeping the house clean, or you're, do you know what I mean? And by saying that, by making that an affirmation, by, by if you will, on high, ringing the bell of truth around this negative thing, I'm inviting them to keep it up. I'm inviting them by almost identifying them with that thing that I don't want to experience more of. We cannot afford to do this. So, if we're in agreement that complaining also doesn't work to get our way, right? Which I guess is kind of the, the issue here. Where does that leave us? Well, first of all, back to the very beginning of my talk, oftentimes our way is just a preference and it will not be honored. We have the right always to speak what we would like to see in the world, right? I have the perfect right to say, you know, I would really like to have this, uh, this kitchen clean every day. And Daniel would have the perfect right to say, I can see that you do. <laughs> right? Now, now, sometimes that negotiation could go a little different. Actually, the other day he said, you know, you are so busy. Can I help out around the house? I know that's usually your thing, but I could. And that was so sweet, and I gave him a lot of praise and thank you for it. But I do not have the right to expect someone else to compromise what's important to them. So how do I get my needs met? I meet them. I meet them. And one of the things that I did when I knew that we were moving in together and we were house hunting and things like that, I started saving up for a housekeeper part-time. Right? Because I know how I can get my needs met. Most of the time, I'm just fine on my own. Sometimes when things get out of control, I give my friend Colleen a call and she is over there and we make a clean house together. And it is sweet. And I never begrudge anything going on with the other members of the household, right? Because it's my thing. It is my thing. So how do you get your needs met? You meet them. You don't expect other people to come to your rescue. You don't expect other people to make you whole. You don't expect other people to define you as being who you are and what you are. You are it. Now let me talk a little bit more. Instead of the language of complaint, we're really into the language of praise and acceptance. And so I wanted to have another quote from this book that I think um, works right in here. He says, one of the questions that I've often asked is, but don't you need to complain to get what you want? He goes on to say, you best get what you desire by simply and honestly expressing what you want rather than complaining about it. He goes on to say, we all have a right to get what we deserve, but to achieve this, don't talk or focus on the problem. Focus on the reasonable solution, which is beyond the problem. See it as resolved. Talk only about what you desire and only to someone who is willing to provide it. 
I know, some of you are not liking this talk at all. <laughs> so I apologize ahead for reality intruding <laughs> into our lovely worlds. But you know what? You know what? When we do praise what's going well, when we are affirming the things that we have in common with one another, when we are in a position with our friends and our families of celebrating our shared interests and our shared values, life does not get much sweeter than that. And when we don't, when we decide we're going to embark upon that career of being right, of proving that our preference is the only preference or the right preference, do you know what happens? Do, do any of you like classic uh, comedy on TV? Have any of you seen the old I Love Lucy show and reruns maybe? Remember the episode where she gets the masking tape out and they divide their apartment in half, right? And, and, and it's funny because she's complaining because he doesn't, Ricky doesn't pick up after himself and he's leaving things around and stuff like that. And so they put the masking tape out and then they fast forward the camera three days later and her side, you know, looks like an operating room. It's sterile. And his side just looks like a, a bomb blew up, right? But what happens is they began really hating each other through this process. They actually staged a war because his side of the apartment had the kitchen and her side of the apartment had the bathroom, right? <laughs> this is not where we want to go with our lives. We want to bring things together with the people that we love. We don't want to set up barriers and separation. So what is this then language of acceptance? What is this language of praise? I'll give you an example, right? So your, um, your young daughter comes home with a report card and it's six A's and a D. What do you say? A lot of us would say, oh my God, what happened in PE, right? And then we'd switch our bracelet and, and, and move on to the next thing. But why would we do that? Here is an excellent student with six A's. Let us praise the things that are going well in our life. Talk about what a great student she is. Talk about the, the time and effort she's put into homework and the doing what's necessary to get those good grades. And then maybe on some other situation, maybe you could mention, do you need some help with PE? Um, just ask him, right? Don't make a point of saying she's wrong or that there's a problem here. What can we do to praise and appreciate the people that we love? What can we do to highlight the things that we have in common? How can we use our language to uphold the goodness that we share with the people around each other? It is fine to ask what we want. And sometimes, out of the graciousness of God, we will get it through the help of other people, and sometimes not. Sometimes we'll just have to do for ourselves. Sometimes we'll just have to go to the movies we want to see and let go of the ones that, uh, that our best friend wants to see. Sometimes we'll have to clean our house, and, 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 and that's fine, right? Other times people will step up. But if we speak our word clearly, without any uh, message of complaint without anything that says that life should be different than it is, people will respond. People will do things because you're respecting them. People will understand you're not asking them to be someone or something different. They will recognize that you care for them authentically and they will respond in kind.
then when we're doing for one another, it isn't an obligation, it isn't a response to a complaint, it isn't people uh, uh, trading off, you know, if you loved me, you'll do this, and if I loved you, I'll do that. It's like all of that BS washes away when we use praise, when we use acceptance of life and people and situations as they are, when we speak our desires cleanly, knowing that they may be met and they may not be met, but that ultimately the person who is to be satisfied, ultimately the responsibility for accepting life is right here. No one, no one but ourselves can accept life or cause it to be uh, better. Ultimately, it's right here. So I want to close, of course, today with a prayer, but I also want to sneak in just a little bit of homework, and I'm hoping you're willing. This is, I think, one of the more challenging ones that I might give. I would like each person here, as I did this last week, to really look at our relationships with our closest friends, the people that we live with, the people that we work with, and notice how we are requesting them to make behavior changes. If it is through complaining, if it is through even poised as a suggestion, right? I, and I, I, Sharon and I were comparing notes earlier in the week about when is a complaint a complaint and when is it a polite suggestion? And Sharon said, Larry, if you have to ask the question, it's a complaint. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and when she's right, she's right. <laughs> so let us this week take a look at the relationships that are the most important to us and be really clear about just stating what we would like to have happen. Knowing and being okay with the answer that is just straight, just as straightforwardly given. Sometimes they will be glad to pitch in and do what it is you'd like to see. Other times it's just not in the cards and you'll make do for yourself or you'll accept that you don't get to have that thing. But let's be real careful about trying to do weird trade-offs. Like if you, lo- here's a great complaint. If you loved me, you would just pick up your things. Ooh, doesn't that feel rotten? So let us just be very careful, very crisp in our own minds, how we invite people to participate in our lives this week. Are we ready? Shall we pray? There is one power and one presence in this universe that is this thing called life. And what I know about life is there's no complaining in it. There's no complaint in God, for God is whole. God is perfect. God is energetic. God is loving. God is that sweet grace of all life, just unfolding with the effortlessness of a late spring day. This is God in all its peace and all its glory. And what I know is that my life participates in that. My life has the ability to be just as peaceful, to still have all my needs met, to to fall back on that grace of God always. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for each person in this room. Each person here has the capabilities of a full life filled with love, filled with happiness, and it comes to us simply through our claiming of it. And so each person here, perhaps this week can release some of the complaints, release some of the dissatisfaction, and instead know that those things that are to be changed will be changed. Those things that are to be accepted can truly and honestly and lovingly be accepted. And I'm simply grateful for this, simply grateful to participate in a complaint-free world, simply grateful to be present 
um, present here with all these faces of God in this room. I let it be, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you're here.